Welcome out to the Bulls and the Bears. This is Aaron Warby, and I'm here with the incomparable Tarina Warby. For those of you joining us for the first time, Tarina and I are part of Online Trading Academy, the most trusted name in financial education, and celebrating 25 years of service. Hello out there. How y'all doing? I <laughs> hope that everybody has had a good week. Uh, for those of you who are celebrating the 4th of July, uh, like we were, I hope you had a great holiday. Yeah. All right. Um, and I know that we have listeners that are either from other countries or currently living abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the, for all of you, I hope that you had a great week, even if you didn't get to take time off on Tuesday. Yeah, I hope you had a great week. For those of you who are experiencing summer, I hope you're enjoying the summer months. And for those of you who are on the other end of the equator than us, I hope you are enjoying your winter. Yeah. You, you know, so <laughs> as a Marine, I did get to you know, cross that, uh, that equator a couple of times uh-huh. and get down. It was a little bit, I mean, it, it, it was a little bit, um, disconcerting leaving in the middle of summer and then arriving in the middle of winter. What? Just a couple hours later. No, come on. It really was. I mean, yeah. if you're it was, close to it the, a little bit different. How fast were you guys going? Because like, oh, were you flying or something? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Flying. I thought you were on a ship and I was like, what? no, 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 no. Like yeah. Just, forever, you know, you just know. Japan to Sydney. And it was yeah. Sydney's winter, obviously. Yeah. Sydney, Australia. Is it really that cold down there? It's not there? really cold. It's just not summer. It's just not summer. It's yeah. just, hmm, okay. <laughs> well, that's good to know. That's great to know. I mean, like if you were in New Zealand, you were like, it was cold. It was dang cold. That's what you would have said. Maybe. Maybe. I don't I, I know. Don't, I don't know. I don't know. I know. It yeah, can get someday colder. I want to get to New Zealand. I haven't yeah. been there. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so this weekend trading. Now, I warned you last week that when the holidays come around, you have to be careful because the market makers are really not in trading mode during that time. And so yeah. things are less predictable. They're a little right? choppy sometimes. Yes. Market makers make things uh, predictable and and they make predictable trading points um, or turning points. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because... You know, and those those that predictability starts breaking down because if the market makers are gone, because all that's left are these emotional traders. retail traders. Yeah, and that's all you've got. You know, so this morning we were on what's called an XLT, extra learning track, right? Mm-hmm. Extended learning Extern- track. I'm sorry, extended learning track, <laughs> <laughs> where one of our master traders was going through trading opportunities for the day. After going through several opportunities and only finding one that even had confirmation value. Yeah. Right. Uh, the consensus of the day, and this is Friday, July 7th, by the way. Mm-hmm. So the consensus was that this was simply a non-trading day. Yeah. The market is simply in the chop house. Well, and I was, I had decided this week, I just wasn't really going to be focusing on trading, but I, you know, would watch the extended learning track and stuff. And so I just kind of, I was just listening to him. I was, I was laying in my bed, kind of just <laughs> listening to him, you know, and I had, and he was just like, yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. And then he's like, well, you could take this one, but this definitely is a confirmation trade. And I was all, and I'm glad to be in my bed. And yep. I wish that wasn't on. <laughs> I would have thought. Well, and so, you know, the trading lesson here, and this is mm-hmm. one that I try and drive home to students during classes, yeah. is that you should never force a trade. Never. Uh, there's no need to force it. You know, there's so many opportunities out there. Why try to make something happen that's likely not there? Yeah. You know, and this is kind of the same principle that we had during, I don't know how many of you were, were um, I don't know, played sports. Yeah. But if you played sports and you did either softball or baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Then if a pitch was coming in and it wasn't quite right, why take it? 
Yeah. It, it's going to be a ball. Let let the pitcher take the hit. You know, why, why reach for it? If you're reaching either low or high and it's just not your swing, why take it? Yeah. Uh, and here we are in trading and it's the exact same thing. If it's not a solid trading opportunity, if it's not a turning point that you can trust either up or down, then there's absolutely no need to force this. Go well, find think, something else. Well, for me, it's not like, oh, is it a trade that I can trust? Because you can't trust every trade. You know, you're trying to limit your risk and you're trying to look at it and say the probability factor is that it, it will right. go the way that I'm seeing it, right? Um, and like, but when there isn't, when when the majority of Wall Street is taking a break mm-hmm. for the week or whatever or enjoying their week and stuff, what happens is, is what I see is like, yeah, that looks like a good probability trade. But then on on the downturn, when it's coming back, it can get really choppy. And then it just becomes a crap trade. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where it's like where like you, you see these wicks, like I've been seeing a lot of these wicks and stuff. Yeah. And I've been talking to some of our instructors and they're like, dude, when there's lots of wicks, I don't trade on wicky days. I just don't do it. They're like, because it can chop you up and things. And, and and so for me, when it's these emotional traders coming in or, or it's a wiki day, I just kind of feel like, you know what? My probability is going down lower. Yeah, it, it could turn and I feel like I can see that movement. But but then they, they come in and they're doing unexpected things that just really yeah. well, cause that. And so for me, it's just not worth it. That's exactly right. Yeah, so when when the market makers aren't there, Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and AI just isn't smart enough to figure this out yet, I think. But when the market makers aren't there and you've got some of these AI trading uh, platforms or something like that, and they expect the the uh, they expect for uh, the market makers to be there because they haven't, I don't know, put it into the programming that um, the market makers take time off sometimes. Mm-hmm. Then what you see is is that all of a the sudden these AI programs or these very emotional traders that, that have expectations yeah. start having more control over the market. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to, in a zone where they think, all right, we're going to have a lot of buyers right here. We're going to have these big institutional buyers. Yeah. And they try and sell everything they've got. And all of a sudden there's not the volume there. And so the sell drives that thing down. That's where we get those long wicks. Yep. All right. Um, but for you know traders that are trading along with the institutions Mm -hmm. and that's what we teach because the institutions if you look at uh go to uh, what is it Uh, goldman sachs right their annual reports Hmm. and if you look at their annual reports and look at last year you'll see that 88 percent of the time they were able to force the market to do what they want yeah all right. When they want to buy, it's they're going to force it up, and when they want to sell, they're going to force it down. Yeah. And so they are correct in their in where they are are moving the market and where they think the bottom is. Mm-hmm. They are correct eighty eight percent of the time. Well, and they have all their little tools and tricks, and they're looking at volume and where people are buying well, and stuff. And that that's exactly right. But but for us, mm-hmm. you know, what that means is is that there is something out there some indicator, if we know how to find where they are trading and what it looks like when they're trading, then we've got an indicator that's 88% correct. Yeah. And all we have to do is say, all right, probability is, is that this is one of... uh, This is where they say, hey, it's a good buy. Yes. This is a great buy. And so the probability is they're they're going to be correct. They are eighty-eight mm-hmm. percent of the time. And so yeah. here it is, and they're they're starting to uh buy in this particular place. Chances are it's gonna go up. Yeah, and then if it returns back into that area, it's probably gonna go back up and 
You know? That's right. Yeah, it immediately retests, yeah. right? What we call an IRT, immediate retest. Um, and when it does that, they're just they're going to pick up more and it's going to force up. That's a great opportunity to buy, but only if you've already been able to confirm that it is a market maker. Yeah. All right. Now, when the market makers go away, like they do on vacation mm-hmm. times or um, or holiday times, they're not there, then all of the sudden it becomes much less predictable. Yeah. Because you don't know the success rate of some of these other programs. And you don't know the success rate of of uh, whatever retail traders are out there that are moving the markets at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, your opportunity to be correct is greatly diminished mm-hmm. because it's simply less predictable. Yeah. Uh, so if you find yourself in that situation, don't trade. Yeah. You know, the chances that you're going to lose on that trade are, are very, very high. So why in the world put yourself in that position? Go and find something where the institutional traders are trading, for heaven's yeah. sakes. And if you don't know how to find where those institutional traders are trading, where you've got a high probability of success, mm-hmm. come into one of our classes. All right. Um, if you're in the Phoenix area, we've got the in-person classes. By far, the best way to learn is in person. Yeah. So in Phoenix, just come into one of our classes. Um, if you're not in the Phoenix area, but in another area, we might still have classes or if nothing else, we've got them online. Yeah. So, you know, give us a shot to show you how things actually work. Um, it's free. It's not going to cost you anything to, to, uh, come and figure it out. All right. So, uh, in either case, you would simply find a class by going to our website. It's www.tradingacademy.com. Um, and then you'll see a, a, a place where you can register for a class and just go ahead and get into one of those, Definitely. all right? Either virtual or in person. Yeah. Again, in person is better, <laughs> but you know, whatever you want to do. But get educated, you know, find, find a place to, to educate you on how to trade and, and how to limit your risk factors and things. I mean, it's so important. I mean, yeah. if you're going in and trading naked with no stops, with no, with not knowing instead of well, you're not acting not really professionally. Seeing, you're not really seeing like where, where the um, sorry, the market makers are coming in and moving the market and stuff. And if you're, you're just gonna hurt yourself in yeah. the end. And so, are you gonna take too many risks? In my opinion, yeah. But that's yeah my when opinion. the risks outweigh the gains, then you're not acting professionally. Yeah, and so. I mean, and you need to have a trading plan. You need to have you know understanding of hey, if I lose this amount of money, I'm out for that day. I'm just not taking any yeah, more trades. I'm going to get too emotional so, about it. So I'm Exactly. Out. And so if you're trying to chase that trade, holy crap, like just stop. Not worth it. It's not worth not it. Not worth it. And so yeah. a good trade is a trade that's not taken, that's going to turn or, turn against you in a bad, bad way. So if you're not seeing it, don't take it. That's right. Hmm. A professional trader has the discipline, discipline enough, I should say, to limit the losses, mm-hmm. having a, a plan that that controls what losses they have, right? Mm-hmm. But also, they have the discipline to only take the highest probability trading opportunities. Yeah. Anything less than that, and you're just gambling, and that's not a professional yeah. thing to do. And you're going to take losses, but like you want to make sure that your losses, itty like, bitty losses, itty bitty losses, and that your gains are good gains, like that that compensate yeah. for those losses, and you still are able to take so, take profit off the table. And so that's that's, right. that's that's a professional trader right there. They understand it's like a business. Sometimes you buy the product that people don't want to buy, but you also buy other products in your store 
that people yeah. do want to buy. And so there's there's always like this cost averages. But even that, you know, the the professional the, those that that stay in business when they are providing things on their shelf, they're only buying the things that have the highest probability of selling. Yeah. Now they're they're going to be wrong every once in a while. Yeah. Right. But just the same, they try to look at look at enough factors to say, hey, I've got a I've got a great probability of being successful, being profitable with this one. Yeah. Or you could be like the grocery stores who actually let their like the people that stock their shelves pay them for space in their mm. shelves and stuff. That's called options. So there you go. <laughs> and if you'd like to learn options, that's right. We teach that so too. We, we teach that too. And, and futures and, and forex and stocks. Stocks. And, and we bonds. also And bonds. And cryptos. And we also teach like something called strategic investor, which gives you an understanding of the markets and how to protect your wealth management. And so I think that's really great. Yeah. The strategic investor will use stocks, bonds, and options to control and and grow wealth yeah right yeah exactly so in so. that in that category you're learning all three and and that's very important in fact i want to get back to that yeah. a little bit later because and probably in the second part of this show uh because right now i want to move on to something new all yeah, right you're giving me that look like hey it's time for us to move on to something new all well, right i don't know i mean i i love i love uh hearing your comments about things i just wanted to get to a new topic but if you've got more comments no no i'm comments, actually done you're good okay i'm good that's good <laughs> all right anyway um so if we're not going to look at the trading opportunities right now because hey it's right after the fourth of july and so mm -hmm. there's not much to talk about at least not much certain to mm -hmm. talk about, yeah. right? Then I do want to bring up a couple of other things. Okay. Um, almost every week I go through and I, I kind of look at the news. Now, most of the news, the financial news, mm -hmm. is a farce, okay? <laughs> uh, you, do, you don't, a professional doesn't look at the news for tips of any kind. Well, some of the best traders that I've met here at our school, they're like, I don't watch the news anymore because at it all. screws up with my trading at all. That's like, right. I just don't do it. It just screws up. I know when the reports are coming out mm -hmm. and that's it. I watch for those and that's it. But I don't listen to the news. I don't do anything. Yes. Because the news, you never know what's good information, what's bad information. Yeah. And they're it's, like, I read the charts. That's what yes, I do. The charts will tell you everything you need as a trader. So, it, you know, and the reports will help you get ready for that, of yeah. course. Um, so you need to learn where those are. But because so many of the people that are new to the markets do look at the news, yeah. I always try and keep aware of what's there so that I can interface with them mm -hmm. and teach them a little bit better. Yeah. All right. But here's some news articles. And I just want to point it out because the news does kind of give the flavor of where the emotional state of the market is. Mm -hmm. All right. And so here's some things that I found. Um, uh, number one, a study finds that retirees are investing more like 30 year olds. All right. Now, this is not the financial news as in telling you where to buy or where to sell or what to buy mm -hmm. or what to sell. And so this one probably has validity. Mm hmm. All right. It's a study. Um, now, the fact that retirees are investing more like 30-year-olds mm -hmm. is surprising to the financial community. Yeah. And in the article, the study went so far as to say that they are acting more like 30-year-olds, 30 30 the retirees, but they were absolutely flabbergasted as to why. Now, to me, this makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. 
It does to me too, especially when we see our students come in who are at retirement age and they're like, dude, I don't want to live off of half my income. Oh yeah. I I can't tell you how many people worth millions of dollars have come in and said, look, I'm tired of this. I went through it in 2001. I went through it in 2008. I went through it in 2020 and here we are in 2022 and I'm not liking what I'm seeing out there because, you know, those that or millionaires probably ran companies before. They're looking mm-hmm. at the reports just like I am, mm-hmm. and they're not seeing good economic news. And so they're thinking, yeah, we probably have some downside. Yeah. All right. And they're saying, look, um, the people that I entrusted my money with just keep doing the same thing. They say, write it out, which was a great thing to do prior to 1996. Yeah. But now it doesn't make any sense. And finally, we're getting to the point where the majority of people are tired of things not making sense. Right. You know, um, so they're, they're determined not to simply ride out another downturn and wait for, you know, how many years for it to come back. Exactly. Uh, and in the meantime, they're losing all kinds of value. They're just not willing to do that anymore. And the, you know, here the, the retirees are trying to invest like 30-year-olds because they can't wait. They can't write yeah. it out. They don't have the time for it to return. And traditionally, the retirees would move into things that are considered safe, right? Things like um, things like bonds. Well, bonds have been awful, <laughs> you know, for, for over a decade. Um, and so, you know, running to those has certainly not helped them. Uh, they would do things, um, they would do things that, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, what, what are those things that you're, your your parents got into the, the insurance sold them an, an annuity. annuity yeah and there's so much bad press about the annuities that they're starting to shy away from those now cds aren't uh, going to do it for them they need because of inflation they need higher rate of return than that so what can they do well all they can do is hope to catch another wave up and so they're you know they're being a little bit more aggressive about it because their retirement can't handle zero growth or low growth. Yeah. Um, especially after the chop that we've had lately, you know? So, um, you know, what, what, what kind of effect is this going to have these retirees acting like 30 year olds? Because 30 year olds are very aggressive in the market and being aggressive in the market would means for at least most people, if you're being aggressive, that also means that you're while you're into something that goes up fast, uh, things that go up fast go down fast too, right? And so traditionally, retirees want steady growth, and they don't want that uh, they don't want that choppy growth, and so they aren't yeah. going towards uh, those those. Uh, they're not going towards bonds things. because they're going. Look, the bonds are doing terrible. They're not yeah. having a good return in investment, and haven't for years, and haven't for years, and they're all. That's not a, a safe place for me to put my money. So you know, I mean, what financial advisors would say would be like, okay, and as you get to retirement age, you want to put your stuff into bonds and annuities and and things like that to. But to those be able aren't to working either. It. But they're not working as well either and people are like what's going on with my money i'm losing money yeah you know and then they penalize them for taking money you know if you don't take your money out of your annuity every year well we're just going to penalize you for that yeah. and stuff which is like well they're, that's they're my happy understanding with, they're happy to keep it that's <laughs> what my understanding was yeah like i mean i asked my 
I, I, I met someone who had an annuity. My parents had an annuity and they're like, wait, we were supposed to take out that money every year. Like it was like $10,000 or something. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, but if you don't, you know, it's penalized against you. And they're like, why would that be penalized? It's my money. Why are <laughs> so they were kind of, they were a little bit like, and then they said, well, I don't really understand it. And then their financial advisor said, I don't really understand it either. And I would just sat there and I was like, what? And I was in the room when they were talking to him and I was all surprised. I thought, how can you be advising my parents on their annuities and on their, on their retirement funds when you don't even know how it works and why it works? And they didn't understand clearly that they needed to take money out every year i was shocked i was shocked and that they were going to get penalized for not taking it i I was just shocked and i that's my memory of the whole situation it was the advisor actually the one that sold them the annuity oh yeah oh yeah and he was like yeah i don't really understand how to you know he's very close family friend kind of thing and i just was like i'm just gonna be nice and and, you know i i love this person i respect him but at that moment i was all i need to walk away how can you sell something that you don't understand how it works but okay you know and so i just well, thought he was drinking the kool-aid the company kool-aid and that's drinking okay in the company it, my parents were not that's willing right. to to um, research what they were doing well and to run their money to to take the time to learn what they were doing do you know what i mean they yeah. didn't want to take responsibility for that money they wanted to pay someone to do it and so that was the cost of them that was the cost of doing business for them. Well, and I think and that so, that's, yeah, that's an yeah. important concept. Um, you know, Warren Buffett said uh, said that uh, he defines risk in a different way that most, than most mm-hmm. people define risk. He said, risk is what you don't know. And that was yeah. statement number one. Statement number two, which is not as widely, um, not as widely, I, I don't know, uh, touted. Yeah. Because everything Warren Buffett says is recorded somewhere, right? <laughs> I know. Um, and 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 the the one about risk is what you don't know is often repeated. Right. The one that's not repeated quite as often is risk is what you don't control. Yeah. And so, you know, to Warren Buffett, what he would say is if you're not controlling it, if you don't have any control over it, if you're handing control over to somebody else, mm-hmm. somebody else is taking care of your money for you then chances are you're not going to do as well as you would if you had more control. Well, right. I and, mean, there's yeah. only so much that you can do. And, and I'm learning that with a, you know, when you're investing in stuff, you, you need to research what you can do with what type of account. Yeah, well, you yeah. Have. So as part of the class that, that um, we do for free, mm-hmm. right, um, I oftentimes will pull up a, you know, pull up a website and it, it goes through the averages of the different things that you could invest in. Yeah. All right. So if you go to an advisor or something like that, they're probably going to put you into a mutual fund. Mm-hmm. If you're doing a 401k and somebody else is controlling your money, the advisor or the or the 401k, it's probably going to be in a mutual fund. Right. Now, the average mutual fund over the last 20 years has done just 4.67%. Mm-hmm. All right. On the other hand, the average S&P 500 ETF, the exchange-traded mm-hmm. fund, which is the exact same thing as a mutual fund when it yeah. comes down to it, all right? Only it, it's something that you would control yourself instead of somebody else putting right. it in, into your basket of stuff, your mm-hmm. diversification uh, portfolio. Um, but when you control it, you would go after the S&P 500 because it, it over the last uh, 20 years, pays has paid out at 8.19%. Mm-hmm. Now... There's never been a time when mutual funds have outperformed the eight point or the the S and P five hundred. Mm-hmm. 
And so the question never would be, you know, for an individual, if they were looking at the different things that they could do, there would never be a time where they would say, oh, I'm obviously going to do the lower uh, the lower yielding mutual fund over the S&P 500 right. if they were the exact same thing. And they are, right? Yeah. You've got a basket of stocks in a mutual fund or a basket of stocks in the S&P 500. Right. Both of them are a basket of stocks. So yeah. both of them have the same diversification protection. Only one pays better. Well, the S&P kicks out like, crappy businesses where your mutual fund doesn't. That's right. That's why they perform better. For the most better. part. That's, that's my understanding. <laughs> the S&P so. is the 505 of the best performing companies financial companies. In that's the United right. States. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so uh, you know, for an individual, they would do things a little bit differently. But in that case, they would take control. And so Warren Buffett would be correct about control mm-hmm. if you're looking at it that way. What right. you have controlled, you now you're doing better than if somebody else is controlling your money. Right. Right. And you're not paying them the fees. That's right. That's right. All right. So the 30-year-olds are acting, or the retirees are acting like 30-year-old investors. Mm -hmm. What is going to be the effects of this? Right. Well, I think that there's going to be at least the opportunity for these retirees to have some very late in life losses. Oh, yeah. If the market drops and they're being very aggressive and they don't understand how to use insurance, and I'll talk about that in a minute, then, you know, any losses are going to be much larger than, well, than than their retirement is, is ready to handle. Right. Unless there's a fast return. Chances are there's not, the Buffett indicator, you know, is saying that, that uh, we're not going to get back to 2021 2020, 2021 highs mm-hmm. until uh, until at least the, the 2030s. Wow. So, you know, the risk is that they're going to lose a lot more than they currently have being aggressive like that if they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So... Um, th- well, you know, that's... you know, it's really interesting because like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I was watching um, Yahoo Finance and they had all these people on who were like, look, the economy's not doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, the stock market's kind of wonky. They were saying things are not looking good, right? Yeah. And then I was watching some, uh, maybe it was Yahoo Finance, maybe it was CNN because I didn't pay attention. And this person goes, well, it's confirmed. We've been in a bull market for the last year <laughs> and stuff. And I was all... What the crap? You're saying, and they're right. They ha- we have technically been in an up market yes. for the last year, right? But then, but then I was like, but now you're saying, but you're having all these people on just two weeks ago, three weeks ago that were like, hey, everything's looking really bad. You got to be careful. Well, and so I'm all, all right, which way is it going to go? And I have this one, you know, I, I talked to this one person who um, trades options, great person, mm-hmm. and they're really good at it. They've been a professional trader. And they were like, yeah, well, the market's designed to always go up. So I feel good about the market and it's always going to go up and businesses are always going to be big and they're always going to get bigger and stuff. And I was all, well, I remember the 80s and I remember, you know... The 2000s. The 2000s. And I I remember like... But it did go up. It kept going up. Like it did go up. I mean, the 80s, it was like a slow, you know, pace. But the 2000s, then it went up like amazing. And so part of me is like, well, it's built to go up. But uh, okay, so but then again, you can have what happened in the twenties, in the nineteen twenties, and then yeah. you can have that the thirties. But I don't know. I mean, part of me is like, well, I don't. And she, this was what she was going to say. She was going to say, no president 
-hmm. No president is going to want that market to crash on their watch. And that's exactly right. And no businesses want it to crash on their watch. And so, I don't know, part of me, I kind of feel like we're in this weird kind of vortex well, yeah, so the thing is, is happened. that, you know, recessions come and they actually have a financial benefit, mm-hmm. okay? Because what recessions do and depressions do is is they weed out all of the really weak companies. Yeah. And they help companies that are strong get stronger. Okay. And, and that, you know, once once the market share flows from the weak companies over to the stronger companies, then the mm-hmm. stronger companies get stronger and that moves the market back up. Now, um, and Apple was having like a yeah, down day like three or four days ago. Sure. And you totally saw that in the markets because yes. Apple really does control like the S&P and the NASDAQ. Like it, it is really the big movement. Yes. Stuff. Yeah. Now, the idea that the market is always going to go up is a false idea. And mm-hmm. it's not based on any historical, um, any historical realism. Okay. Okay. It's, it's based on just uh, recency. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and we as humans have a tendency to look at recency and believe that that's going to, you know, always be the case. Mm-hmm. But if you bought any, you know, if you bought stocks in 2000, you know, in the year 2000, yeah, you didn't actually see a return on investment until 2013 on average. Wow. So that was 13 years where it didn't go up. It was just straight sideways or down. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and that's what the Buffett indicator is is saying is likely going to happen again. Now, the Buffett indicator... So is that what we're looking at is like maybe the markets are just going to be doing sideways. And so you need to be learning yeah, the tools... Yeah, it'll have its ups and downs. ...to do sideways trading and it'll go up and then sideways it, and then right. it'll go down and then sideways and then, you know... Kind exactly. Of so okay. in between the year 2000 and 2003, we had a, a 50% loss in the market. Okay. Mm-hmm. It took from 2003 to 2007 to get to the exact same place that it was in 2000. But it immediately, once it hit that place it was in 2000, it dropped off again. So in between 2007 and 2009, it went down 57%. It dropped lower than 2003. Oh, that's... And then it took the next four years uh, to climb back up to get into parity with just the year 2000. Okay. Uh, so yes, if you look at it as a whole, there were bull markets there. Yeah. There was a bull market in between 2003 and 2007. And there was a bull market in between 2007 and 2013. But the overall decade mm-hmm. was sideways. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so while she's right, it's designed that way. Sideways going up. Right. Mm-hmm. While things are designed that way, you know, the recessions come... And that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have an upward market all of the time. Okay. Now, the thing is, is that there is a difference between what is happening in the markets and what the realities of the economy say. Uh-huh. Because, um, you know, those, those people were right. And in fact, I could point to three articles. Uh, one uh, article here says, time to batten down the hatches or raise the sails. Yeah. And it says, maybe batten down the hatches. All right. Okay. That's what the article says. Um, number two, the bull market, uh, wait, bull, bull stock market is hype. And that's what I kind of wondered mm. about. Like when that person said, we're in a bull market. And I was like, dude, like three weeks ago, you guys were talking about how bad it was. Yeah. And so I thought, are you guys just saying this to, to push it back right. up so you can get the rest of your profit taking and then boom. Well, and I think that the real answer comes in in number three here. Okay. Okay, because number three uh, says uh, nine charts, 
nine charts show a stock market sell-off is coming in 2023. Now, Jeremy Grantham, Jim Collins have been particularly loud proclaiming the woes of the markets this last year. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I personally would hope that they would be wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, really, we don't want to see people like suffer and things. You know, what I, I mean, I don't. But yeah. also, you know, people come in and learn how you know they they get excited and they come to learn how to trade when things are going up more often. Then when, when things go down, at least initially, mm-hmm. right? Now, this, this doesn't make any sense. It makes a lot more sense to either learn how to protect yourself when the market is at a high mm-hmm. or learn when the market is at a low how to find the very best of things to buy. That's what makes sense. Yeah. But during the bull market, everybody gets greedy and they're thinking, all right, this is the easy thing to do. And so they flood and And I love teaching. Yeah. All right. So... I kind of hope that they're wrong for a lot of different reasons, but I kind of think that they're right. All right. I looked at these charts, um, and chart number one shows the global growth is much weaker than investing investors are forecasting. Okay. And so there's a difference between what is being said and what is being touted mm-hmm. and, you know, the the general fever for for things to go up mm-hmm. among investors than what is really being shown if you take the emotion out of it, in the numbers. Okay. All right. Uh, number two, liquidity, which has primarily driven the market so far in 2023, is is set to dwindle. It's already starting to be pulled back. And the Fed is going to help pull that back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a different chart here. Uh, number three, and that uh, that is. All right. So number three chart shows the Fed balance sheet is, is uh, set to shrink further. They have They've calendared when they're going to be pulling money out of the market, and we're going to see further shrinkage there on the Fed balance. And what that means is when money is pulled out of the system, that's generally when you see a sell-off. Okay. Uh. All right. Credit ratings are continuing to be downgraded. Uh, So this is company credit ratings, and that means that debt is going to become more expensive, and it's going to be Mm -hmm. harder for them to borrow. And when they do borrow, it's going to eat up more of their profits, Profits are generally what drives valuations in, you know, overall valuations in stocks. Mm -hmm. So if that obviously is going down, then we're going to see a correlation to the downside or should. Okay. From a fundamental point of view. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, fundamental and uh, and then what you're going to see in the chart sometimes don't correlate, at least for a little while. Eventually they do. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, you should take this seriously. Historically, right. they do. Historically, yes. <laughs> Corporate earnings will come in below expectations. And I think that this has a lot to do with the last chart where credit's getting more expensive. Okay. And therefore, they have to, pay, the companies have to pay back more debt because they can't, they can't now issue more bonds. Yeah. Right. It's just too expensive mm-hmm. to do it. Interest rates are going yeah. up. Yeah. And so they're going to have to pay it off. And that's, they're using their profits to pay off debt. And so it's not going to actually show as, added profits that's going to be bad and they're not going to be able to do the more as much you talk, advertising the more i'm like, like i know so down what a debbie downer. i'm sorry mm-hmm. okay keep going there's but good it's news. interesting but, but there is good news mm-hmm. at the end there's good news so okay. hold on okay um stock correlations are low volatility is high and what this means is is that the s p 500 is showing that uh, is is showing that it, everything is going up but the general market, the general stocks are not. And this is what you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, you know, where where Apple has such a pull on the S&P. Yeah. All right. Because the S&P 500 is a weighted value, just like the Dow, right. just like all of them. All right. These are weighted values. 
And that means that the more of Apple that is owned in the mm -hmm. S&P, the higher the correlation to Apple's movement the S&P will be. Right. And it turns out that just five companies um, <laughs> since the beginning of the year have, have gone up. And everything else has either gone sideways or down. Mm -hmm. Or at least they're in the S&P 500. The majority of them have gone sideways or down. We're just five very large companies that are pulling it, yeah, are pulling it up. Now, these companies have gone up 40%, right? Like Apple's yeah. up 40% and Amazon is up 40%. Mm -hmm. And the S&P is just up um, 15 17%, something like that. Mm -hmm. But everything else is down. Yeah, and so there's just there, there's a, a not a great correlation between what is happening in the S and P and what's happening in the overall markets. Right. Eventually, that will catch up with those five big ones. You think? Because what's behind it? I mean, really, are they growing forty percent in this year? I don't know. I don't. Well, they're not. I don't think so. Maybe they've been buying back all their stocks and pushing up their no, prices. No, Apple's or? even stopped doing that. Oh, Microsoft really? certainly hasn't. Wow. You know. So what? What's behind this? And it's that Inflation. people are. No, I think what is happening is people are saying, hey, the stocks that I'm buying over here aren't going anywhere. They're going down. I better run over to Apple that's still going up. Uh, and so now we've got a lot of buying power in Apple and a lot of selling power elsewhere. Okay. And that's accentuating the moves both ways. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. All right. Number seven, resolution to the Russian-Ukraine crisis won't lift global growth. <laughs> uh, now, I'm not going to speak to that, but the the chart says that it won't because... Um, the Russian-Ukraine crisis really didn't affect the markets to the downside, yeah. um, except for the first couple of days. It just makes me sad all over about that whole situation. Yeah. Uh, the bar for tech earnings is rising, meaning that tech earnings have to really show significant growth for it to correlate to the stock price. Mm -hmm. uh, at least overall. Obviously, that's oh, not so true with it, Apple or Microsoft. So now it's it's not like, oh, you have a great idea. Yeah, we're, we're just going to invest in there. It's like, mm -hmm. no, you actually have to show yeah. that you're making a exactly. profit. Exactly. I want to see profit. Oh. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's right. All right. U.S. tech valuations have gotten out of hand. All right. Now, this is there's a couple of companies that this is true with. Okay. But it's primarily those that um, have some connection to artificial intelligence, AI. Yeah, that's a big thing now. You know, yeah. And, and so everybody sees AI, but remember uh, back to the 90s, mm -hmm. right? If it said .com, it was shooting up. Right. Even if it was a crappy company. <laughs> I mean, it, one of the biggest, one of the highest growth companies in the early 90s and the beginning of the .com was AOL. Oh, when yeah. When was the last time you heard anything about AOL? Well, I saw it the other day. Someone had an email address that I was typing in, and I was like, yeah. hmm, I wonder if that still works. Holy cow. They're still, that's still out there? That's still out there. I'm like, I wonder what mine yeah. was. I still I don't remember what my AOL That's right. Email but most was. of those companies <laughs> have not performed, have not done well, and actually went out of business during the collapse of, the uh, of 2000, mm -hmm. of the dot-coms. Uh, so, you know, this AI is simply fervor, um, irrational exuberance. It doesn't mean anything. I don't know. I mean, there's some really great AI stuff, and I hope it works out, um, especially in the medical industry. Of, mm -hmm. ooh, drop my paper. Y'all hear that? <laughs> Anyways, um, medical industry, which is um, helping advance medical practices well, and finding things in cancers and stuff. So I hope it does work. But um, Yeah, yeah. And don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there isn't any opportunity I'd like them to there. take the AI out of the stock market, but that's well, yeah, my personal preference. It's certainly, it's certainly... Uh, 
seeding in some chaos there, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, which makes it a little bit more difficult during low volume days. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Just look for the quality. Uh, AI is not messing with the quality. So look for the quality and only use the quality. Mm-hmm. Um, AI has still not proven to be any more effective. In fact, it's proving to be less effective than, than the human brain. Just there a thought. So, you know, if you really want to do well, I still suggest that you come in and actually learn how to do it and keep control of it yourself. Because Warren <laughs> Buffett has been wrong or right for a very long time. Wrong? He's no, he's wrong, been no. right for a long time. A and very people, long time. People look at him like he's a prophet. I'm not yeah. kidding. Like I was watching him the other, like two weeks ago or something on the financial news. And um, I, I mean, the way they were laughing and taking every word in, I was like, man, it's it's like he's a prophet. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, he's got that down home Kentucky fried good sense, doesn't he? Yeah, he he does. And, you know, he does take profit. So I guess it works. (laughs) Yes. Yes. He's one of the wealthiest people in the world. There's my dad. After giving away half of his wealth, by the way. And he's still one of the wealthiest. Wow. Because he knows what he's doing. All right. Uh, So, yeah, you know, Warren Buffett was right. What you control, well... What you don't control is a risk, mm-hmm. and what you don't know is a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to learn how to control, that's going to teach you both how you know what you're doing and and how to control things, so you solve mm-hmm. both problems. Yep. All right. Uh, come into one of our classes. It's free, and <laughs> if you're in the Phoenix area, come into one of our in-person classes because it's better than online. Yeah, if you're not in the Phoenix area, there might be a It's our introductory class. class that's free. Yeah. So yeah, come on in. There might be a, you know, a, a physical class near you. If there is, then I suggest you take it. Yeah. If not, then we do have the online version. Either way, you would find out what class is available for you by going to our website. That's mm-hmm. www.tradingacademy.com. Again, www.tradingacademy.com. And then just register for a class. And I hope to see you in class someday. And until then, happy investing and happy trading. 